Hi everyone, it's Luke Olivier. While Yannick is enjoying Japan, we decided to hear our special episode. This week's episode is our second pilot. It was recorded nearly one year ago when Yannick and I were thinking with the idea of starting our own podcast. Enjoy, and see you next time. Welcome to Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Magnat. And I'm Luc Olivier Dumeblet. Limitless Possibility is a once every two weeks podcast about technology, mostly. And um, this this week, I'm going to be talking about the changes in the PC business since 2008. Um, The reason I'm going to be talking about the changes in the PC market since 2008 is because my iMac that I purchased in 2008 died very recently. And um, it's been making me think about what I want to replace it with. And thinking about that made me think about how the role of the computer has changed. Um, Before we get into that, though, do you have any opening remarks? Um, Besides the fact that you mentioned that we are going to be on a two-week schedule, uh, nothing uh, related to that. (laughs) Um, I really hope that we'll be able to to keep the schedule. And besides that, uh, let's jump into your subject. Okay, so I purchased my iMac in 2008, and I just want to set the context for what that was like. Um, I was starting college, so I had a student loan, and I used a student discount at the Apple Store, which is like about 50 bucks, which is really stupid, but whatever. Um, And there was the back-to-school campaign, so I got a first-gen iPod Touch with it, uh, which I gave to my dad, and that was his introduction to iOS. Oh, I remember this time when they were not giving, uh, like gift cards and they were giving iPod including old iPod touches right it was that an was... iPod it was an iPod touch or a printer and at the time the second gen iPod touch wasn't out yet yeah i remember because i took the printer because i already my i already had my first gen iPod touch yeah i remember that time wow <laughs> that was a long time ago just to emphasize how long ago it was leopard was almost a year old snow leopard wasn't out yet the iPhone 3G had just come out that summer Oh, right, the 3G. Wow. That also wow. means the App Store was like a couple months old, so iOS apps were barely existent. Um, the iPad was still a year and a half away, which seems ridiculous. Um, so it's pretty obvious that the role of the computer has changed significantly since then. And um, I'm going to go through a couple points of how that changed. So the first is desktop computers have reached the point of being good enough for most users. Um, With my iMac, I was never really frustrated by its performance, which is sort of surprising, right? Because back in the day, you'd buy a computer, and then like a year and a half, two years later, there would be some huge new revolution, and then you'd have to have it because your computer would feel immensely slow. Um, That kind of development has sort of stopped on the desktop side. It's not as bad on the laptop side because they have other trade-offs to do with, um, like, battery life and so forth um now i will note that i upgraded my imax hard drive to an ssd at some point because the hard drive was about to die so maybe that sort of influences um my beliefs here yeah and i agree around that time it was kind of common on the uh, mostly on the desktop to upgrade your your hard drive to an ssd to give it like a second life yeah and it made a huge difference, and um, I'll talk a bit more about that later when I'm going to be talking about what I'm using right now to record this podcast. Um, but because I never had any complaints about my computer's performance, 
it just made me more likely to use it until it would die naturally instead of going out and buying a new computer to upgrade it with. Um, By the way, um, did you find out what was the problem with your iMac, or it's just like it de- it was dead and you didn't do anything much? I have no idea what caused it. Okay. It, it doesn't even get to the Apple logo anymore. Um, oh, right, right. I could play around with it, but we'll see. Um, and so uh, on the iMac, um, I did a lot of stuff and nothing really felt slow. The only thing that could have gotten a little better is I did video encoding quite a bit. And during video encoding, I always felt, well, this could be a little faster. But other than that, when using the machine myself, I never felt, oh, it would be great if I could get a new computer and everything would be faster. It was fast enough um, which is going to piss off John Syracuse because he thinks there's no such thing as fast enough. Uh, and so if a fairly demanding power user doesn't see a reason to upgrade his 2008 computer in 2014, which is actually a fairly long time, or anyway, I think so, um, what motivation is there for normal people to do so when they're fairly lenient when a computer, uh, until a computer becomes unusable? Like, there are still people using Windows XP computers, and they're perfectly fine with it, even though support ended, like, three weeks ago. And uh, that actually just reminds me, I was reading an article recently on somebody's blog, and they were upgrading to Windows 7 from Windows XP. (laughs) And they were were having this traumatic experience where their software that they kept from Windows 95 days isn't working anymore. Oh, like, God. I the, can imagine the guy complaining about the fact like that... Like, the guy is, I can't edit my photos anymore because ArcSoft Photo Studio that I bought in the Windows 95 days doesn't run and doesn't know what oh, a hard drive bigger than a gigabyte is. <laughs> wow. Wow. When a software cannot read a bigger hard drive, it's time to upgrade. Really time to upgrade. Yeah, and obviously that was just, like, the first of his complaints. It got a lot worse than it was Microsoft Works and other stuff that I forgot existed. Oh, God. So, if people are willing to put up with, like, Windows... Well, that's an extreme example. But if people are willing to put up with, like, Windows 95 software on computers and not upgrade for, like, 10 years, then if I have no reason to upgrade, they have no reason to upgrade either. Um, And on that note... This isn't in the notes, but um, for a while, uh, Windows computers, I believe, don't have any very good native software aside from games or very specific productivity tasks. Like, there's no good Twitter client on Windows. Everybody knows this. It's not a secret. Um, And there's no real market for consumer software on Windows. And I feel that instead of using native apps, what Windows users do is they use web apps. And because they can use web apps, well, A, as long as their web browser runs, they're fine. And B, they have no actual dependence on Windows anymore. So they can actually go get a Chromebook. And that's probably why Chromebooks are doing as well as people claim they are this uh, these days. Because they have no dependence to native software. They just do everything on the web. And they're used to what I believe to be a crappy experience. But that crappy experience can go with them onto a Chromebook. And it says on the line that, in quotes, normal people mostly use the web browser. So a Chromebook, it's really specific for them. Because from right. what well, I can tell, like most of the normal people I know, like not non-geeks friends, are only 
using the browser. They are no, they don't have any like specific uh, native app that they use day to day. Right. So I don't want to diverge into another topic completely. Yeah, indeed, but, indeed. But my mom uses a Chromebook full time, and she loves it. That's silence because we're all having very great trauma right now because we're using native apps. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to move on to the next topic. Yeah, that's a good idea. Which is that the mobile experience is so much better that it has sucked most of my computing time away from the computer itself. So in 2008, 90 to 95% of our computing time was spent on the computers. It was so early in the smartphone life cycle that like the app store was a couple months old. There weren't apps to do everything that we do on our computers, on our phones, and on our, well, tablets didn't even exist yet. But there were no apps to do everything we do on our computers, on our phones yet. And very slowly, that sort of became a thing. And now I can go away to Japan for two months and spend the entire time on my phone and nobody notices. But um, the mobile experience has gotten really, really good. And I want to take a note about that. So for, for many years, Mac software developers put so much work and effort into their software that even when Apple itself was at risk of disappearing, uh, there were great apps like Panix Transmit that would come out on like OS 8.5. And even if OS 8.5 wasn't, well, I, I still think it was my favorite classic OS, but um, classic wasn't that great. And even when Apple was at risk of disappearing, it made using a Mac more satisfying than a Windows PC, at least when the app wouldn't crash and take down the entire machine at the same time. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're quite lucky because I haven't played with the classic Mac. It's so. really funny. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would guess, I would guess. It's even funnier these days, because when you know how OS X is, you go to OS 9 and you're like, what the hell is this shit? Yeah, my only experience was when I was in Sweden for an exchange student program, and I went to a computer museum, and there was a... Oh, it was the original Macintosh, and it was still working. And I was like, oh, let's play around. But geez, there's no internet on that, so besides opening a notepad and just going to the Apple menu, there was really nothing to do. So it's a Mac, so it's not called Notepad, it's called Simple Text or MacWrite, depending I'm how old. I'm so sorry. Okay. Like I told you, I just remembered it was a text editor like Notepad. It's probably Simple Text. Uh, so anyway, so in many ways, iOS has done this to the Mac, where the Mac used to be like this showcase of great technology and really cool innovative applications. These days, you don't really get impressed by OS X software as much because iOS has all of the effort going behind it. A couple examples. Uh, Facebook Paper. Uh, it's currently US only, but I have a US iTunes account, so yay. Um, Facebook Paper, I used it, and then I have never gone back to the Facebook website or, well, I sort of have to use it on the iPad, the uh, Facebook app. Facebook paper is the best way to use Facebook. And if you're using Facebook any other way, then I don't understand. Unless if you don't want to deal with the hassle of getting a US account. Um, yeah. Oh, was, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was about to say that Facebook paper is, from what I saw, the best Facebook client out there. If you're still using Facebook, which, is my, which is my main <laughs> problem right now. But it's pro it's probably one of the best iOS apps out there, period. Except it's Facebook. That's I wouldn't go that far to say that it's the best iOS app out you there. You haven't played with it, though. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's a problem. 
you should play with Facebook paper. It's pretty fantastic. Um, moving on. Uh, Reader. Reader has... Um, this is Reader with two E's. Um, Reader has a Mac app. In fact, uh, Reader 2 Mac beta came out recently. And I haven't even purchased Reader 1 when it came out on the Mac because... Reader for iOS is so good that I don't even want to do RSS on my computer anymore, um, which is really good. And strangely enough, Diet Coda, which is like the slimmed down version of Coda for iOS, I like Diet Coda more than real Coda, which is really weird. Um, yeah, you really, really, really love that app. I really love that app to the point where I actually wrote, uh, I run a news site for music game news called Polyphonic Room, and I wrote 90% of the code for that on Night Coda. And it was basically to show that you can get work done on an iPad, and you can very well get work done. And I occasionally, like when I went to Japan earlier this year, I did site updates via Night Coda, and it was great. Uh, the only thing that wasn't great was when Docomo blocked SSH ports and I couldn't shell into my <laughs> server. That was sort of a problem. Um, uh, another point on that, um, why mobile experience feels better than the desktop experience, is iOS was engineered with responsiveness as a top priority. And this is not an overstatement. iOS versions of apps often feel like they perform better than their iOS counterparts, which is really strange because the Mac, ver uh, Mac hardware is, well, in most cases, so much more powerful than iOS hardware is. Um, the examples I can think about mostly involve scrolling, of course. Uh, TweetBot for Mac, I don't know about you, but I can't scroll very well in TweetBot. But for Mac, it gets really slow sometimes, and I don't understand why. Um, don't forget, I don't use TweetBot for Mac. I'm still you, on Twitter right. Refic. Yeah. Right, right, right. Twitter um, Refic is fine for me, so. Yeah, Twitter Refic uses a chameleon, right? So. Yeah, yeah, they do. And I guess TweetBot has something similar to that, but it's not as good. Uh, so maybe that's a problem with their bank app. Well, maybe, but let's also not forget that Safari for a very long time has had similar scrolling issues where oh. sites that scroll incredibly well on iOS scroll like shit on the Mac. Um, Facebook, for example. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I remember that time. And it, they made a big deal about on Mavericks how scrolling performance is way, way better. And it's mostly true, but it's not entirely true because I still get weird scrolling issues on Safari when it should really scroll as nicely as it does on iOS. So, I don't know. Uh, responsiveness is a top priority. It really makes you feel as a user like things are getting done faster, even if they might not be. Um, and on the hardware side, um, the iPad Air is more or less comparable to my MacBook Air in performance, which is scary. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's really weird. Um, I'm writing an iOS app right now, uh, and stuff actually runs faster when I run it on my iPad Air than I run it on my MacBook Air, which is terrifying to me. No kidding. Really? It, wow. Yeah. It's really weird. So another sign that I should probably be buying a new Mac. Uh, but anyway, so if the experience is so much better on iOS, well, what tasks does that leave to the Mac that 
I will only do on a Mac? Well, obviously programming, because there's no Xcode on iOS. Um, there are tools like, of course, Diecoda and Pythonista and Editorial, which do let you do some form of programming. And of course, I'm forgetting some, but those are the top ones in my head. They do let you do some programming, either um, locally or remotely. And those are great, except I'm not a Python developer, and I'm not that great of a web developer either. Uh, and Yeah, but don't forget that you're still running a website, so tools like this are really useful to you. And like you said, when you were in Japan for two months, it really helped you when you, there was a problem and an issue with the site. Right, it's useful, but what I want to say is I can't get my day job done on my iPad right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I'm an iOS developer, and there's no Xcode on iOS yet. Question mark. <laughs> and that's a good idea to mention yet because we might have some surprises in the future. Eh, not this year. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Um, and the other thing I do on my Mac is media management. So the majority of music I buy, I buy through means other than iTunes. I buy a ton of CDs. I have a pile of like 12 CDs right next to me right now. And I know I'm crazy. No, but I guess... From what I know from your music days, most of the music you bought on CDs is not available on iTunes, so there's a reason for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not available digitally, period, most of the times, oh. because I like weird Japanese indie music <laughs> stuff that is only released in events like M3, which was yesterday, and uh, I'm going to be getting more CDs in the mail very soon. Um, but on that note, so why am I so obsessed with media management? Well... Their API is to access the music and movie library on iOS, and I'm working on one of those. And it really sucks to like not be able to use videos or music that I've obtained through, let's say, Safari, and import them into my iPad's iTunes library directly. So I always need to like get a computer. And of course, since I'm using CDs, there's no CD drive for the iPad. Um, someone should make an external CD drive for the iPad. I would buy it. Oh, God. Please. <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? When I'm in Japan, I don't have, like, I only have my iPad with me, or this year I had my MacBook Air, but that was an exception. And I buy all these CDs, and I have to stare at them all the time. Like, pretty soon I'm going to have to bring a, C a Discman with me to Japan to, like, listen to these CDs because they tease me. I'm, like, looking at the covers, and I'm like, I want to hear this. Oh, wow. Yeah. And a Discman is really cheap right now, so... Might yeah, disc discounts are like thirty bucks. Yeah, so it might be the best solution right now for you. I guess. Uh, or you can do some kind of act like bring a discman or display or whatever, and like install some kind of recording software on the iPad to, in a way, import in quotes them. It would be kind of a cool act to do. It would be really cool to like DJ a set using like DJ on the iPad, but then like. The audio is coming from another process via audio bus, and then that audio is actually just the CD coming off the disc. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to study this. <laughs> um, so anyway, media management and programming, well, not programming, media management aside, all of my personal, and I'm going to emphasize this, personal computing I can do on iOS, and most of the time I choose to do so on iOS. And I say personal computing because, again, can't get work done on the iPad, not for everyone, but for me as a developer. And I'm going to go even further and say the most controversial thing ever said, which is that uh, for anyone who does mostly content-consuming stuff on their computers, their home computers, 
they really don't have a reason to get a computer anymore. They should just get an iPad. Oh, I worry that you are about to say that. Because funny enough, I have an iPad mini and... I you only use it for work. Uh, I do. I do. Sometimes I will go to my Twitter feed. But, hmm. I kind of had a strange relationship with iPads and tablets in general. You know, like, I bought the first iPad a long time ago and I haven't updated it until I got a uh, Retina iPad mini at work. And I hadn't had the, like... I had nothing to do on it to make it like necessary to buy a new model. And right now it's like, I don't know where is it. I think it's like in the closet doing nothing, my old iPad. So yeah, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the iPad. But I'm saying iPad because I'm also using the iPad, but I mean tablets in general. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I can't like put my finger on it like saying why am i always going back to the computer even if i can do most of my personal stuff too on the ipad so very often what i will do during the day is like i want to go read rss and i'm at my computer and i'm just going to like grab my ipad anyway and go elsewhere to read my rss feeds and then come back to work <laughs> so that's how much i love ios um, what was I going to say? Right. So, so I think you were concluding on the uh, media, media management. Right. So aside from media management, all of my person, personal computing I can do on iOS. I choose to do it on iOS. And pretty much to echo the vague generalization that I made in the first part, if fairly demanding power user has no reason to use a Mac for his or her personal computing, there's fairly good chance that normal people don't have to use a personal computer for stuff like that. And that when their computer will die, they will be more likely to get an iPad than, let's say, another stupid Windows PC. Any comments? Um, thinking about it, like... Right now, the biggest problem with the iPad for normal people and even for like geeks is the media management part. And I noticed that some of my friends asked me, like, oh, I might be tempted to replace my computer with an iPad, but I have a lot of music in iTunes imported from CDs, and I have lots of photos I want to put on my iPad and stuff like that. And every time I'm forced to answer them, like, yeah, the iPad will work awesomely for you, but you'll need a computer to sync your music and photos. Oh, right. So I have an anecdote about this, and it's a really silly anecdote, and I hope she doesn't hear this. But when I was in Japan, um, I went over to a friend's house, and um, they don't have a computer. They only have smartphones. And I was talking to them about, like, well, why did you get an Android phone? Why did you get a, an iPhone or whatever? And she was like, well, I got an Android phone because iPhones look too complicated. And I was like, iPhone's too complicated. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then she, wow. said, she said something which I had never thought of before. But um, prior to iOS 5, right, you needed a computer to get your thing set up. And since she never had a computer, she assumed that because you needed a computer to set up an iPhone in the past, and she didn't know that you didn't need one anymore, that... The all of the UI work inside of the iPhone was built assuming that you knew how to use a computer. 
Oh, interesting. It's a weird stretch, but it makes sense when you think about it, right? Yeah, because it, does. it does. Android never required a computer to use. So she just got an Android phone because she was like, well, this is made for people who don't have computers. It's okay. Whereas the iPhone arguably is simpler, um, maybe not as simple as it used to be on iOS 6. But... Um, <laughs> no, but she's right in a way. Like uh, yeah, prior I was six, uh, prior I was five. I will say. Right, you needed a computer, computer, and if you didn't yeah. have a computer, it just wasn't an option. Yeah, because of the iPod legacy of the iPhone and the on iOS in general. Right. Um. So that was fairly interesting. I like that anecdote. I have no idea what it has to do with our topic, but yay. <laughs> um, so finally, we get to the main question, which is, what the hell am I going to replace my iMac with? Um, so currently, to record this, I'm using a late 2010 MacBook Air. It gets the job done, but I'm hitting performance ceilings a lot. Um, and I know I said that computers were getting good enough earlier, and I guess I didn't emphasize this clearly enough. I really meant desktop computers. Um, if you have a Mac Mini or an iMac or Mac Pro... <laughs> um, you said it. Yes. Yeah. You probably aren't running into like a performance ceiling unless you have like a bar PC Mac Mini or the first generation Mac Minis. Um, but if you have a fairly recent, like within the last three four years, you should be fine. Um, and even then, like I had 2008 iMac and I was just fine every day and never noticed any performance issues, which is pretty amazing. Um, technically. Because it's less powerful than my iMac, that's probably why I'm feeling it. Um, even though it felt faster when I originally bought it, because the MacBook Air had the SSD and my iMac didn't, which is really weird. Over time, it's sort of, you, you know the shuffle icon where like the two arrows converge in the middle and then split off again? That's sort of like what my performance looked like on my two computers. <laughs> um, so what am I going to get? Well, it's not going to be a desktop computer. Um, I'm a picky asshole, and um, I don't like things that have big footprints. So um, while I don't like the idea of like the Microsoft Surface as a tablet, I sort of have respect for, well, you can set up this screen somewhere, and then just, it's a tiny screen, but you can hook up stuff. Basically, if they still made 13 or 14-inch displays, I would be all over them, but they don't uh, for the desktop computers. Um, and I find, like, certain displays to be too big and stuff. Uh, computer displays, more, more or less like TV displays, so just gotten bigger and bigger, and now they're just stupid. Um, so I'm not interested in desktops. Um, it has to be a retina display. And I've been teased for four years by the iPhone 4 and the retina iPads. I am not getting a not-retina computer. It has to be a retina. And right now that means my only options are the 13 and 15-inch Mac Pros. Um, there are heavy rumors that at WWDC there might be a 12-inch MacBook Air with a Retina display. Finally, you'll be so happy. I remember when you were at your uh, iBook and you were so like, I love this screen. It's so small and stuff like that. Right. Well, many people will point to like the uh, 12-inch MacBook G4 as being the most loved Apple laptop of all time. Yeah. And... Um, I certainly understand that. Having owned a 12-inch iBook, it wasn't as cool as the 12-inch iBook, but, but 
Um, so I'm leaning towards the 15-inch MacBook Pro um, just because Xcode is a giant pain in the ass on an 11-inch display. And if you follow me on Twitter, you might see these screenshots every once in a while. I'm trying to like connect an IB outlet to the code. And there's like 10 pixels of UI and 10 pixels of code and then 50 billion pixels of toolbar around it. Yeah, because I don't think you mentioned it, but your MacBook Air is the 11-inch one. Right, 11-inch MacBook Air. So it's ridiculously <laughs> stupid when you run Xcode 4 or Xcode 5 on it. Uh, and every time Apple says in their keynotes, we made changes to Xcode to make it better on small displays, I laugh my ass off. <laughs> Because it's not true. Yeah, and I can tell you that the 15-inch MacBook Pros are kind of a pain in the ass to work, to play with when you want to be in IB. Even really? If, yeah. Is um, it because of like the DPI change? I think it is. Like huh. mine right now is working as a 1.5 resolution, so I think it's at the 1680 by something something. But it's not the like full retina resolution. Yeah. Mainly because of that. Hmm. Well, while we're bitching about Xcode, um, <laughs> one of the things that irritates the hell out of me working on an iPad app right now on my 11-inch MacBook Air in IB is that you can't do anything when you're zoomed out. You have to be zoomed in 100%. Like, I know. I know. All the time. It's the most annoying bullshit. Yeah. Every time I'm making like UI changes at work on the iPad, I need to be working on my external display, which is a Thunderbolt display. And really, at this point, it feels like most of my day, what I'm doing is toggling sidebars and toolbars and stuff in Xcode more than I'm actually writing code, which is very frustrating. Yeah, Yes, it is. And every time I try to learn these shortcuts to make it faster, I don't know why my brain is like kind of some kind of jello for this. And it doesn't like it. And I, I never remember these shortcuts. I know. I'm the same way. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm holding out until WWDC to see what the MacBook Air rumors turned out, turn out to be because that might change my buying decision. Although, if I'm only using the laptop for work and for media management, it should be less of a pain to do work, so I'm probably going to get a 15-inch anyway just because it's the least hassle of the thing. If the 17-inch were still around, I might even be looking at that. I don't know. But um, uh, So basically, my conclusion for this is it feels incredibly stupid to me and dumb that in 2014, I'm spending $1,500 to $2,000 on a device that I'm going to be using for two tasks, media management and programming, when I feel that my iPad upgrade, which costs half that, gives me a lot more joy on a day-to-day basis. And um, so uh, last year when the iPad Air came out, I got the 128 gigabyte oh. iPad. Oh. <laughs> and it's, all, it, it's almost full. Oh, God, really? It, it's almost full. Uh, I think I have a couple of gigs left on it. Full. I love my iPad. It's almost full, really? Yeah, I, I'm going to go check how much space I have left on it. Uh, uh, oh, I have 14.2 gigs left on my iPad. <sighs> Jeez, wow. I love my iPad. But it's uh, mostly full of like videos, right? 
That's why it's taking so much space. Right. Music and video. Yeah. But well, I'm, that I'm much t- music? Oh, right. No, no. It's no. in lossless. <laughs> I'm not going on that route. I remember why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I could make it like ASC 256 or whatever. Uh, I'm probably going to have to do that if I want to carry it all on the laptop anyway. Uh, which is or if you want to pay like for the one terabyte flash SSD, which can be quite expensive. It can be. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you, if you want that option, you're mostly going to be on the 3K route. Don't forget I got a tax refund. <laughs> I do too. Okay. Um, so that's more or less everything I have to say about this topic. Uh, do you have any closing remarks? I think uh, you wanted to talk about your upgrades that you wanted to do. Before that, I wanted to ask you what you're going to do with your current laptop. And it's kind of a segue to my setup right now because I'm currently having two laptops plus my Mac, but. Uh, that's another and story. You're, only, you're only using like the MacBook Pro, right? <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, then uh, please explain. <laughs> yeah. So before I start on that, can you explain what you're going to do with your current I, MacBook I, Air? I don't, I don't know yet. You don't know yet? Okay. No. So to give you an idea, uh, my personal computers are the same model as Yannick for his iMac. So I have it's the mid... Yeah, it's the mid-2008 iMac. And my MacBook Air is the mid-2011. 13-inch. Yeah. And it's the 13-inch model. Because the 11-inch was way too small for me. And my work computer is a Retina MacBook Pro and a 15-inch model. But it's not the current gen, it's the last gen. So I don't have the cool new CPU. But it's fine, it's... A really awesome machine. Right now, I'm mostly using my uh, my MacBook Air as my main computer because, like, while I'm at work, I'm using my work computer, and when I'm home, I I don't want to mix both. But I really, really, really do love the Retina display on the MacBook Pro. And my iMac most of the time is sitting doing nothing. As right now, it's mostly doing uh, my photo management stuff and being my iTunes library. Even if I don't use iTunes that much uh, in the recent years, because I'm mostly uh, listening to music via Spotify and service like these. And what I want to do, like, can I have a good idea on what might be my future upgrades? Still thinking about it, but when my Mac dies, I really want to replace it by a Mac Mini server. Because right now the most like the main usage that I do from my iMac is using it as a server. Mm. Um, yeah, still thinking about all of these because I want to change my photo management workflow, and I have that, that should be its own episode. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm not uh, going on that route, but just like mentioning it. So it, it's still vague to me because. In a way, I can have uh, three computers right now for me, so it's a hashtag first world problem in a way. Oh but, dear. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I had to mention it, but yeah. So that's my current plan: is when my Mac dies, I'll replace it by the by a Mac Mini server. 
So that's interesting. So um, I want to talk a bit about uh, this isn't in the notes, but uh, do you remember when the guy posted how he got all his work done via Linode uh, VPS that he connected to via his iPad? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, because he was a web developer, if I recall correctly. Right, right, right. Well, I was thinking about something similar to that, except with Mac Mini Colo, where you just have an iPad, and then you put your Mac in the cloud, and then you do your Mac stuff via either screens or something like that, or terminal SSH, basically. I was thinking about that, but the main issue is that um, Xcode is going to be even worse on a 10-inch display. <laughs> I was about and, to say that like you plan to do that to do iOS management uh, development, sorry. Well, well, I was thinking about it more seriously, and then I was looking into like how could I get as much of the Xcode stuff in the command line as possible, because if I can get most of the stuff in the command line that would be better um, because I could just use prompt or whatever and it would be less of a pain than having to deal with like a desktop GUI on a tablet, which is a pain, which is why the Surface sucks. Um, but then I realized like how opaque Xcode stuff is. Uh, XC Run is really nice and I use it a lot for secret stuff. But um, like the Xcode project file format and stuff like that, you have no real control over in the command line. And Not really, because the only command line tool that I remember of is mostly Xcode build. Right, Xcode build. There's Xe run, which is if you want to like not build a project but use the compiler directly, which is what I use for like uh, jailbreak compilation and stuff. Okay. Um, and there are a couple Xe tools, but I forgot all of them. Um, but there's no like there's no command tools to do like product management no like, so you, you can't like add uh, files to a project you can't do weird provisioning stuff uh, easily in the command line like there's a whole bunch of stuff that you'd have to develop your own custom tools to do and I didn't feel like doing that and then the other problem of course is if you want to debug on device you can't really plug your iPad into the Mac mini in the cloud it doesn't work. Yeah. I don't have a USB cable that long. <laughs> um, so that's sort of a problem. But still, I, I was thinking, like, well, I can get debug builds on, like, an enterprise, you know, enterprise uh, distribution for apps, like uh, how TestFlight does it? Yeah, I do. I you do. could do a thing, like, okay, I'm compiling my thing, then automatically put the IPA on the server, and then I'll go get it. Yeah, but you won't be able to run the debugger and stuff like that right. while so running the app. So That's the main reason I didn't do it. I can tell you that most of my debugging is while the application is running in the debugger. Yeah, yeah. So it will be a major issue for me. Yeah, I know. But again, I, I was thinking about it because I really want to go iPad only, but obviously I can't. Um, I really... Speaking of that, I remember that I saw some kind of weird app that's supposed to be able to read Xcode project on the iPad. But I... Oh, I forgot what it is. Oh. I'll have to take a look at this. I know there are some text editors that support Objective-C syntax calling, like Textastic does it, but I'm not sure 
about opening Xcode projects. That sounds interesting, though. Yeah, it is. It is, but might it might be a jailbreak app? But I'm uh, really not maybe. sure. Even then, that's sort of weird. Yes, I came across of it like a couple of months ago. So there's a lot of cool weird apps on the App Store, and I think we should probably do an episode to like the weird apps that you're surprised got approved, but got approved. <laughs> oh because wow! I have a couple of those, and it's really weird. Um, but that's all for today's topic, unless you have anything else to add. Nope, fine for me. Okay, so you can find us online at at Limipo, L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast on Twitter. Um, you can find me personally at Sakarina, S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find Ligarivier at Luconoche, L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll be back in two weeks. See you next time.